Welcome to Abstract Audio, the podcast presenting life as an abstract art form. The show that encourages you to perceive beyond the tangible, to extract the infinite from the finite, to see with the mind what you cannot physically see with the eyes. Oh, this? It's an emancipation. It's an exploration into areas usually overlooked. Explore with me on today's episode. Greetings, travelers. You've found your way to another episode of Abstract Audio. Now, if this is your first time tuning in, I'm your host, Amber Janae, and I'm so happy to have you here with me today. Okay, didn't mean to rhyme that, but since you're here, I won't keep you waiting. I'm not Rihanna, this ain't a new album, so let's get right to it. So we're actually going to keep the ball rolling from last time and continue to branch out from our discussion on survival. I might actually call this the survival series, you know, in hindsight. Maybe play some Destiny's Child in the background or something. Anyway, uh, last time we were talking survival of the fittest, right? And how it translates today. And if you listened in on that one, it got the wheels turning in the direction of primal instincts and stress responses, etc., things like that, uh, which all coincidentally are put to good use when we're in danger, right? Or at least, you know, when we feel threatened. And this just got me thinking about what constitutes as dangerous nowadays anyway. I mean, everything we do involves some level of danger or risk lately. Even walking outside. I mean, especially in Chicago. (laughs) Like, did you know the odds of getting hit by a bus are almost like 500,000 to one? But still, there's a chance. And yes, I did have that fact on hand. You know, I think about it a lot. Don't ask me why. Mind your business. (laughs) Anyway, uh, the more I thought about it, uh, the increasingly clear one fact became to me. Uh, The only thing that will truly survive and stand the test of time is our collective works, you know, our art, what we create. Like, think about it. What do we have from the past? We have art and thought because that's what lasts. That's what continues to feed people and give them an idea of something different and a hope for something better. It's true, the health of a civilization can be measured by the art it produces. It's like the ultimate pulse check. Our distinct signature as a people, if you will. From the drawings early humans covered cave walls with to the elaborate beauty of Michelangelo's Sistine Chapel. I mean, cavemen were in constant danger, outrunning animals and battling harsh trains documenting their struggles in between. And Michelangelo's masterpiece even was controversial in its own right and painted while he was suspended nearly 66 feet off the ground. The point is, to create or to be creative is to take risks and accept an element of danger. A huge part of creating is being willing to take a risk or go out on a leap of faith. Art itself is dangerous in nature, really. It's meant to make people think differently or question the world around them, which in turn can be a danger to the stability of a society, a threat to the status quo. And it's been treated as such for much of history. 
whether it be in a political sense or a religious sense, art is often regarded as a powerful means of influence. And as we all know, any means of outside influence can be seen as dangerous by those maintaining a balance of power. So often, we enter the realm of censorship. You know, I take, for instance, if you tune into episode like three or four, I believe, uh, we spoke on certain books on Black authors being banned in America today. And not to mention numerous creative minds, you know, great thinkers wiped out for thinking too radically, too dangerously by societal standards. But it's because of this that art in any form remains relevant. People recognize and respect the strength it takes to create, boldly, unapologetically, and fearlessly, despite the danger. We need risk-takers in this world. And those are not just defined, you know, by your painters or your visionaries. No. You know, we even touched on leaders last episode. But even leaders sometimes aren't always the best risk-takers. Meanwhile, your run-of-the-mill entrepreneurs can find themselves taking regular risks. And no matter what faction of the workforce you fall into, if you got there by yourself or are getting there, you're taking risks to do it. That's why they say no risk, no reward, you know? A danger is one of the oldest and most efficient ways to motivate someone. You want to light a fire up under someone? Introduce a clear and present danger. You know, no Harrison Ford. (laughs) I mean... You'd work a lot harder around your job if you heard they were starting to lay people off, right? The threat of possibly having no income and the fear of what would subsequently become of you and your family after that, uh, the loss of that safety net is motivation. When you're in danger of losing something, it becomes more precious. Or at least that would be the case for a lot of us. I mean, millennials have a different work ethic and view on that. You know, we'd already have one foot out the door before you opened it. (laughs) But you know what I mean. And the thing about risk, too, it doesn't just pop up in your professional life either. If you look at a risk as any situation involving possible exposure to danger, you can see just how easily it can leak into other areas of our lives. In fact, it's widely accepted that danger, you know, risk, thrill, sensationalism, not only draws us in naturally, but also naturally excites us. There's science behind it even. Yeah, it's like scientists found that an attraction to risk often has a strong internal link to pleasure, uh, showing that some people do have an increase in dopamine levels when they take risks. Things like horror movies, roller coasters, a bungee jumping, rock climbing, you know, I can go on. Uh, there are hundreds of examples. Uh, personally, I'm not really big on any of those activities. You know, I hate scary movies and roller coasters kind of terrify me, but to each his own. Regardless, all of these things do have something in common. They force us to be in the present. Now, if you haven't read uh, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, I highly suggest you give it a look. He goes much further into this, but he goes on to write that In life-threatening emergency situations, the shift in consciousness from time to presence happens naturally. The personality that has a past and a future momentarily recedes and is replaced by an intense conscious presence, very still but very alert at the same time. Uh, That intensively alive state is free of time, free of your problems, 
free of thinking and slipping away from the present moment, even for a second, may mean death. It's almost euphoric. And when you're not weighed down with worrying about the future or stressing about the past, you're able to truly enjoy and live in the present. That's why they say the now is the best place to live. Of course, you don't have to constantly put yourself in danger to access that state of being. You simply need to ground yourself. And if you tuned into episode two, I believe, I give some tips on meditation and how to go about doing just that. And the point is, not only does every part of life have a fair amount of danger involved, but today we use it often and can even benefit from it. Which brings us to our next point, a wrestling with the danger in our lives and our futures. As much as we may try to reside in the place of that blissful present moment, many of us find ourselves thinking more so about the future. And of course, to some extent, we have to do this. After all, that's where our goals live. It's where all the promises of a better tomorrow are hoarded. Shit, it's where our kids grow, where our legacies take shape. But nowadays, the question of what comes next also comes along with heavy implications for the fate of mankind. When you consider time as an illusion and no events are occurring in a naturally or traditionally linear sense, I feel we've now come to a turning point of sorts in humanity. I'm not talking about the apocalypse per se, and no judgments if you guys are betting on the zombies or leaning towards an alien invasion. A side note, aliens are already here and I'm going to be prepared regardless. Side side note, I always hated shows like The Walking Dead, and not because it's unrealistic, uh, but because I've never understood their storyline being centered around the characters' like desperate need to survive. I mean, it's instinctual. And for a little while, you know, you're running on adrenaline, I'd assume. But it's like, at a point, what are you even fighting for anymore? Personally, like, realistically, I could only see myself being on the run for, like, maybe one, two seasons. But after that, I'm a head out. <laughs> and now, there is something to be said for constantly living in that state of danger. And to any non-people of color listening... Take note, you know, that's kind of how Black people feel every day. But whichever way it goes, however you handle a physical apocalypse, I'm referring to the non-material shift that is occurring right now. You know, everything happens internally before it manifests externally. We're experiencing a mass shift in collective consciousness. You know, we all feel it. The veil is being lifted. This energy of emerging truth is stirring in our spirits as we speak. Look, I don't subscribe to a religion, but no matter what you believe, in my opinion, we're witnessing the end of one world and the beginning of another. So if there were any time to talk about this elevated next state of being, you know, uh, you may have heard people talking about this shift from 3D to 4D to 5D and so on. Uh, the time is now. Uh, there's a kind of omnipresent sense of danger in the air today in relation to that, you know, an increase in feelings of anxiety, fear due to an energetic shift. And rightfully so, because in accordance with this shift, there will be worldwide disasters. There will be chaos, an ending to the world as we know it now. It will get worse before it gets better. 
In fact, things will get increasingly weirder until there's no denying what's coming and eventually what's right in front of us. Does this make you anxious? Restless? Does it put you on edge? Well, for those who are not ready to be awakened, it can seem frightening. And that's normal, because it's true, some of us are not meant to be awakened. Uh, But for those who know the world around us is a construct of our mind, uh, that we can control by adjusting frequencies uh, that in turn align us with different outcomes, uh, the danger becomes much less pressing. And now, I do hate using the term simulation or the matrix, Uh, because it comes with so many negative connotations and it's been so widely used that people may already have preconceived notions about the term. Uh, But for the sake of time, you know, we can call it that. Uh, So say those who are aware of the simulation and know what's coming attempt to wake those who aren't, Uh, which is typically the first thing people try to do when they begin to see with their third eye. Uh, They try to help others see. Uh, But the thing about danger It's only real if you register it. You can't make other people see or feel it. You can warn them, but unless they're able to see it and feel it for themselves, they won't believe you. Uh, This isn't true in all cases. You know, Black people especially, if we see someone running, we're not asking no questions. We run in two. But it's more like telling a kid that a stove is hot, right? They're not going to fully grasp what hot is, what it fully means, unless they touch it and get burned. Your body registers that pain. You know, that danger just became that much more real. Which, again, brings us back to why people seek thrills. It makes them feel alive to feel that. Even I'm not immune to this fact. You know, if you've seen me, you know, I have a few tattoos. (laughs) each of which made me feel more alive than the last. I won't lie. Though this danger is rather mild in the grand scheme of things, that pain, that risk, that danger, that thrill is a powerfully grounding force. You know, I read somewhere that risk takers are often more satisfied with their lives and happier with themselves than non-risk takers. And at the end of the day, I believe that can be attributed to one thing. And this thing also happens to be my biggest fear, so I may be a bit biased. But it's regrets. To me, not taking that risk, not facing that obstacle, is far more dangerous in the long run because those obstacles are for you specifically. And you'll keep repeating and retaking the same tests until you learn and grow from it. Just like at school, you know, you don't take your tests, you don't pass your class. Sure, you're always in danger of failing, but these trials the universe sends you are made to show you what you're really made of so we can elevate. Earl Nightingale once said, Wherever there's danger, there lurks opportunity. Wherever there's opportunity, there lurks danger. The two are inseparable. They go together. Real bad. (laughs) Right now, we're all being presented an opportunity. Uh, Just look around, y'all. It's blue pill or red pill time. But before we choose, we must acknowledge the fact that safety is a myth. There's no safe jobs. There's no safe partners. 
There's no safe routes. From the time we take our first breath, we find ourselves in danger. Anything could fall through. Everyone, anyone could hurt you. And isn't it funny, though, that it's so often the people we feel safest with that can hurt us the worst? Yeah, that's by design. And when you think about it, we are all dangerous to ourselves even. Who else can get you in trouble? Really, it's when we get too comfortable, feel too safe or complacent that we're in the most danger. Isn't that funny? And if you ask me, that's part of the fun of it. The fun is in realizing there never was a safety net. We're all just free-falling. A million thanks to everyone out there listening. Thanks for taking a risk here with me today. If you thought I sounded like a crazy person screaming that the end is nigh on the side of the street corner, thank you. That's exactly what I was going for. (laughs) But as usual, I hope this shit made you go, hmm, at the very least. I hope it made you stroke your mustache thoughtfully and all that. If this happened to resonate with you, or even if it was so bad it became the beginning of your villain origin story, you can always write in and tell us about it at theabstractaudioshow.com. Well, until next time, guys, always appreciate the abstract in your life. <laughs>